Happy Easter, church! For some reason, I can't hear you this Easter. Happy Easter, church! It's great to have you joining with us. We are celebrating. Isn't this a wonderful day? Our Savior has come back and given us an avenue so we can have eternal life. And his debt of dying on the cross paid the cost for all of our sins. And we thank God today for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. If you're joining us for the first time, we want to say welcome. And we want to tell you that here at Burlington Baptist Church, we want to do as much as we can to contact you. So just make sure that you're messaging. If you're following on Facebook, drop us a line on our emails. We would love to be in contact with you this week. And as we celebrate Easter this week, we know this is a special time for all of us. It's a little bit strange just because some of us are having to do it at home. But we're doing it the best way we know how. And God continues to bless us and watch over us. And we thank him for the mercies and the grace that he even provides today. So as we get ready to celebrate today, join with me for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Of all days of the year, Father, we stand in your presence and we shout and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Because it's only through him that we're able to face each day. And we know in these trying times that we lean on you even more, Heavenly Father. And we just want to make this day of praise one that you know how much we love and adore you. So, Father, take the words that are going to be shared through your scripture as Harold brings those. Listen to the words of songs as Danny and the team lead us today in our time of praise. And, Father, most of all, let us look at each other and be thankful that we have a Savior that knew us all and still knows us today. And we pray all these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, risen from the grave. Amen. Well, good morning out there, church. We are happy to have you with us here on Easter morning. And uh, if you saw our Good Friday service that was kind of low-key and everything else, this is not going to be like that. We're going to have a good time, and we're going to celebrate the, the risen Savior this morning. So join with us. Oh, 
to your glorious day. Now your mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all that I know. The old name new. Jesus, when I met you, you called my name and I ran out of that grave. And I 
good song. That is the first time we have done that, but uh, uh, we're going to have a word of prayer, uh, and we just want to keep reminding people that uh, thank you for you guys who came out last Sunday and uh, dropped off the offering. That was awesome, and the kids that came out for the Easter egg hunt, that was great. Um, you got to see us dress up and sing, uh, so I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, we just want to keep everybody aware that our online giving is still open, uh, the website, the app, um, and the text, you can do all of those things. Um, I'm going to pray over our offering, and then the ladies are going to lead a song for us this morning. Lord, we just thank you again for the opportunity to come and sing about the risen Savior. Lord, we just thank you so much for that, um, the cornerstone of, of, of my faith and, and my ability to just get close to you again. And just thank you so much for that. Lord, we just uh, want to lift those people up who are struggling with being isolated or, or sick or, or uh, just not feeling like they're connected. Lord, we just want to 
ask you to come in and just give them some peace about this whole thing, Lord, and just uh, hopefully something that we can do will help that out. And I know that something that that you have said in these songs through us is definitely going to do that, Lord. And we just, again, thank you for all of the blessings that we have gotten, even in this time where we can see you work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
this next song um, last Easter I guess a couple couple Sundays before last Easter and uh, we haven't really played it since but uh, we just kind of liked it and thought it would be really appropriate uh, for today so we want you to sing along with us uh, of course we always want you to do that but we want you to really sing the words to this one
spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name, I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me by your spirit. I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name, I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. He's resurrecting me. He's resurrecting me. He's resurrecting me. Where soldiers watched and wait Was borrowed for three days His body there would not remain Our God had robbed the grave Our God has robbed the grave
is resurrecting me. Yeah. <laughs> Say hallelujah. Amen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. All right. Christ is risen. We should hear you from home this morning. If you want to leave a comment, put risen. Last week you all did Hosanna. We like that. We love comments uh, while you're listening. And it's a blessed day to be able to celebrate uh, our risen Lord, our resurrected King. And uh, even if you miss coming today, listen, for all eternity, we will celebrate a resurrected King. And uh, last week we began talking about the week that changed everything. And uh, this morning, we're going to kind of conclude with uh, how the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. And we know that the resurrection is our hope, our joy, our peace. It's, it's everything. And we're not going to let uh, COVID-19 take away the joy of resurrection and Easter. And so consider this. Let me give you something to consider. Uh, before the world was formed, God set this amazing plan into motion. I mean, before the stars, the, the, before the moon, the sun, before any of that was formed, before man was created in his image, listen, God determined to send his son to die for sinners. Isn't that amazing? You say, where do you get that, preacher? Well, Titus 1-2, in hope of eternal life, which is what we have, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages, or God promised before time began. Now, that's pretty hard for us to grasp, uh, uh, but the fact is, if you're saved, God has had you on His heart for a long time. Isn't that, a, isn't that an awesome thought to, to wake you up this Easter morning? God determined that He would save you before He ever formed the world. And, and uh, He was going to do that by sending His Son into the world to die on the cross so that you could be saved. And listen, what God planned in eternity, He brought about, He fulfilled in time, and that's what He did on Easter. And we celebrate that. Listen, every moment of Jesus' life, from His conception that we celebrate at Christmas, uh, through everything, the rest, the trials, uh, all of that was designed to lead Jesus to the cross to pay for our sins and, and then to an empty tomb. And uh, we celebrate that empty tomb this morning, the victory that Jesus uh, had over death. You, we could say that Jesus was born to die. And uh, he came into the world that he might give his life as a ransom uh, for his people so that we could be saved. I mean, all the way back to the very beginning when the angels came and, and said, You shall call his name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sin. And so last week we were in Mark, and we're going to be back there this morning, uh, Mark chapter 15. And I'm just going to read a few verses. We're going to kind of walk through a whole lot of Mark chapter 15 this morning. Uh, Mark 15, verse 15 says, So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Verse 37 says, uh, and Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And before we get done this morning, we're going to be in chapter 16. Let me read verse 6. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Lord, we pray this morning that we could do justice. Now, just a little bit to what you did for us. Uh, you were... Sentenced to die on the cross, uh, we know that you 
died, you were buried. Uh, but when those ladies went to that tomb on that Sunday morning, your body was not there because you were risen and you defeated death, hell. You paid for our sins. Uh, Lord, help me just in some way to be able to communicate that this morning. And, and for your church, even though we might not be in this room, allow us to just celebrate all that this day means to us. And Lord, if there's someone listening who's never enjoyed the uh, salvation through Jesus and had their sins forgiven, we pray that this Easter would be the day of their salvation, and we would celebrate and, and sing praises to you. Lord, thank you for our praise team and the way they've led us this morning. And uh, speak through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this week we've reviewed some of the, the events of that final week. We started last week at the triumphal entry when, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, not on a coat, but on a donkey, a donkey coat. You remember? Some of you told me he wasn't on a coat. And you're right. He, he was on a donkey coat. And I'm glad you're listening last week. And you listened to this morning. You'll probably find some other silly things that I say. But you're right. He was on a donkey coat. And they said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he wept over Jerusalem. We talked about that. And this week we've had some devotionals about some of the events of that final week. And, and we pick up. Uh, we, we know that, start, that was on Sunday. And by Friday morning the people are are saying, crucify him, crucify him. So if we pick up the story around Mark chapter 14, we know that uh, Jesus has celebrated the, the, the Lord's Supper with the disciples, and he's gone to the Mount of Olives. He's praying. Uh, the disciples are falling asleep, and, and, and Jesus is praying, and, and Judas shows up with this entourage, the chief priests, the elders, the scribes, uh, uh, the Roman soldiers, and they come to arrest Jesus. And we know that story well. Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss, and, and they arrest Jesus. They take him to Caiaphas' house, the high priest, and uh, there the, the scribes and the elders, they assemble together to bring accusations against Jesus. They, they would hold him there all night, uh, and... Uh, then they would uh, formally charge him before the council or the Sanhedrin. And that's when we pick up in chapter 15. It says, as soon as it was morning. And so again, this was an all-night fiasco. And, but as soon as it was morning, they take Jesus in front of the whole council. They bound Jesus and they lead him away and they deliver him over to Pilate. And so they take him to, to Pilate's official residence. And Pilate asked him in verse 2, Are you the king of the Jews? And, and he answered, You have said so. And the chief priest accused him of many things. And they were trying to throw everything they could at Jesus. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was amazed. And, and we read through the Gospels and we realize that, that Pilate found nothing worthy of condemning Jesus to death. Now, since Jesus was from Galilee and Pilate was in town, uh, Pilate, or, or Herod, Pilate sends Jesus over to Herod, and, and uh, Herod is the patriarch or the governor of Galilee, and he tries to question Jesus, and, and he gets nowhere, and he finds no grounds for punishing Jesus, and so he sends him back to Pilate. And uh, Now, Pilate was already in some trouble with Rome, and the last thing that he wanted to do was to go against the wishes of the people. And so we see there in chapter 15, verse 14, Pilate said to them, What evil has he done? And he hadn't done any evil. We know the answer to that question. But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! Crucify him! 
And so Pilate, and we've already said this week, he's the biggest coward in all of history. He delivered Jesus up, verse 15, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. I, I want us to do four things this morning. The first thing is just to recall the horrific suffering of Jesus. The horrific suffering of Jesus. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas, and, he, and having scourged Jesus. Now, I want to talk a little bit about scourging. Over the years, I've studied that. Uh, the Jewish law, uh, they had a law where you couldn't scourge someone more than 40 times, and so they would most normally stop at 39 so that they wouldn't break that law. But, but the Romans had no such law. Uh, they they, they uh, commonly called their scourging halfway death. And I don't often get into the details of the crucifixion, but sometimes I need to be reminded, and, and you need to be reminded of, of all that Jesus suffered for us. And so uh, here's what happened at a scourging. The victim would be stripped of their clothing. They'd be bent over this uh, pole. Uh, they would be shackled at their wrists and their, and their ankles. And uh, the scourging was done by a person called a lector. And this was a professional in the art of torture. The instrument that they used was, was called a, a cat of nine tails or a flagellum, uh, different terms. Basically, it was a piece of wood, 14 to 18 inches uh, circular. Attached to it was these long uh, pieces of, of leather and uh, pieces of glass and, and bone and, and metal were sewn on these pieces of, of leather. The person performing the, the scourging would be at about six feet away from the, the victim, and, and they would take that cat of nine tails back and would whip it across, and, and it would come into contact with the, the back of the ribs, and, and that bone and glass and metal would, would curl around the side of the body, and, and it would rip through the skin, and it often pierced the organs and the intestines. And the flagellum would come back again, and it would strike a little lower the next time. And he, he would rip it out, and he would strike a little higher, and back and forth, ripping and ripping and ripping. And, and the, the intent was to uh, just to crash through the skin and bear the flesh. And uh, it was designed to reduce the naked body to strips of raw flesh, inflamed bleeding wombs. You, you get the picture. If you've seen The Passion of the Christ, you, you saw a glimpse of what it looked like. And, and that invariably, uh, oftentimes, the victim would pass out, and, and they would pass out, and they would use salt water and throw it on the victim to revive them. They wanted this to be as horrendous as possible. They wanted the, the victim to suffer as much as possible. Often the scourging was fatal, but, but the intent was to torture the person as much as possible, but to keep them alive so that they could be crucified on the cross. And if the beating and, and the, the flogging wasn't enough, I, I want us just to notice some of the mockery of Jesus uh, back here in Mark 15, verse 16. The soldiers led him away inside the palace. And they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in purple cloak. And this is after the scourging. They, they clothed him with a purple cloak, and they twist together a crown of thorns, and they put it on him. And, and they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking him in the head with a reed, and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him. And, and when they had mocked him, they, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put on his own clothes on him. 
And so they try to humiliate and degrade and, and mock him. And they jam these thorns on his head. When I was in Israel, I saw some of those thorns. Some of them were three and a half inches or so. They, they were big thorns. And, and they would hit him with a reed and drive those thorns into his head. And it would immediately swell up. You, you can imagine. I know a splinter hurts. Uh, uh, this is a thorn being driven into his head. And when they stripped Jesus uh, they put the scarlet robe on him so that they could uh, insult him more. And, and sometimes they would pack the wounds with, with salt to help collaborate the, the blood so that the victim wouldn't die before the crucifixion. Uh, this was a, a terrible process. Uh, and all the while, the Roman soldiers are shouting, Hail, King of the Jews! And they sped upon him and they mocked him. This is the eternal Son of God. And it's always amazing to me that Jesus never retaliated. Isn't that amazing? He's God. He never retaliates. First uh, Peter 2, verse 23 says, When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Mm. When he was suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And so by this time, Jesus would be bloody and swollen beyond recognition. You know, the prophet Isaiah had said that he was nothing to look upon. And that was true now. Verse 20 says, And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on, and they led him out to crucify him. We know about crucifixion. It was a very public event, and the victims were paraded before the people as they journeyed to the place of execution, and the, the beam of the cross would be put upon Jesus' back. And at some point, he was no longer able to carry the cross, and, and Mark records for us here in verse 21 that they compelled a passerby, or Simon of Serene, to, uh, to carry his cross. In verse 22, they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. In verse 24, And they crucified him, divided his garments among them, casting lots to decide what each should take. You know, the Bible is an amazing book. All four of the gospel writers write about the crucifixion, but the event itself is never explained or described in detail. The most important event in human history is simply described by these words, and they crucified him. Isn't that amazing? The, the day that God lifted high his holy banner of everlasting love for sinners is reduced to four simple words, and they crucified him. And man crucified his creator. Verse 25 says it was the third hour, about 9 o'clock in the morning, when they hung Jesus on the cross. And even after he was on the cross, they continued to, to mock him. Verse 29, all who, those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, oh, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. And then the chief priests and the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he can't save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. They wouldn't have believed if he had, but, but they mock him. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And so this is all going on around the cross. And 
Verse 33 says, And when the sixth hour had come, about noon, we talked about this Friday night, darkness covered the land, and, and Jesus spoke his last words, and he gave up the spirit. Verse 33, uh, darkness over the whole land, and crucifixion was a terrible thing. Jesus was bearing the Father's divine wrath against sin. That leads us to the second thing I want us to do this morning. I want us to reflect upon the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. Verse 34, At the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Elah, Elah, lama shabbatim, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so we see Jesus cry out or scream out. And again, he is quoting here David in Psalm 22, 1. I mentioned this on Friday. These were the most staggering, the most gripping words I think that Jesus ever spoke. So gripping again that both Matthew and Mark, they try to preserve the the anguish of which Jesus expresses himself by by saying, Ale, ale, lama sabatini. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? We always got to ask, why would Jesus cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we said the answer is sin. Jesus was taking our sins upon himself. And this morning we've sung about God's holiness. Listen, God is holy and he is just and he hates sin. Habakkuk. 113 says this about God. You are of pure eyes than to see or to behold sin and cannot look at wrong or cannot look at iniquity. Isaiah 59 too. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Our sin separates us from God and your sins have hidden His face from you. And so this morning, do you understand that God hates sin? And the question for us is, do you and I, do we hate our sins? The greatest agony of the cross was not the scourging or the catanantels. It wasn't the nails driven in his wrist. It, it wasn't the mockings. Jesus never cried out, why are you mocking me? Why are you beating me? Why are you nailing me? Why are you... He never cried out about any of those things. The greatest agony of the cross was for Jesus to have his father turn his back upon him and forsake him. And the reason was because he became sin for us. He took our sins. Isaiah 53, 5, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Romans 4, 25, he was delivered for our offenses. Galatians 3.13 says that Christ was made a curse for us. Listen, church, he didn't just bear our sins. He became sin. Now, how do we know that Christ's sacrifice was sufficient to cover our sins? Well, that's a good question to ask. Was it worth it? Was what Jesus did, was it acceptable? And we, we know the answer to that is a resounding yes. Here's why we know lots of reasons. One reason is, again, in verse 38, the veil of the temple was torn in two. Notice verse 38, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Again, the veil of the temple separated the the Holy of Holies, which represented the presence of God. It, It separated that area from the rest of the temple because God is separated from sin. 
When the veil is torn, it, it reminds us, it tells us that there is no longer a separation between man and God because sin has been paid for. A second reason we know that Christ's death accomplished our atonement is because God raised him from the dead. And when the Father raised the Son, it represented His stamp of approval on Jesus' sacrifice for our sins. Romans 3.25 says His propitiation, His atoning sacrifice was accepted. The payment was made for our sins. And that leads to the third point this morning. Rejoice in the sure resurrection of Jesus. And that's when we get to Mark 16. You say, why did it take you so long to get there? Well, we got there. Verse Chapter 16, when the Sabbath was passed, the Sabbath is, is Saturday, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. This is, and they were saying to one another, this is Sunday morning, early, and they're saying to one another, who's going to roll away this stone? The big stone in front of the tomb. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. And it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed, expecting Jesus' body. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You see Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. Here's what we want. He is risen. He is risen. He's not here. Here's where he was laying, but he's risen and he's not here. And, and so Jesus is not in the tomb because he's risen. Listen, if Christ is not risen, we're crazy for coming out here this morning. But Christ is risen. We can say he's risen indeed. Amen. Now, how do we know that Christ is risen? Well, we could spend hours talking about the certainty of the resurrection. I mean, the Bible says there were over 500 witnesses of, of Christ after the resurrection. And they were able to see his hands and his sides. And they, they knew it was him. And, and if Christ was not resurrected, then where was his body? Because everybody was looking for it. And they have been for 2,000 years. And we know that the resurrection changed the lives of the disciples. They saw Jesus. They knew Jesus was risen. And they were willing to give their lives. And all of them did. For the, they wouldn't have given their lives if Jesus hadn't been risen. They knew he was risen, and we know he's risen. And listen, he's still changing lives today, amen? I know my Redeemer lives. Do you know that today? Do you know that Jesus is alive? And does that make any difference in your life? Listen, we ought to rejoice in the resurrection of our Lord, and it ought to make a difference in our lives. And so why are the events of the first Easter Sunday so important? I'm going to tell you why. Because the events of that day has made a difference in every day since that day. And it will for every day into eternity. The events of that first Easter morning. That day makes a difference in the lives of most of us gathered here watching this service. I, I said most of us. That day is important because what happened that day can make a difference in your life today. The last thing I want us to do this morning is just recognize the eternal significance of Jesus. Recognize the eternal difference. Hebrews 2.10 says, The captain of our salvation was made perfect through suffering. 
Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray, and God has laid on him, on his son Jesus, the iniquity of us all. The Father took all of our sin and placed it on his son. He was the spotless lamb, and he was made sin. And he took the penalty for our sin. The wages of sin is death, and, and those wages have been paid. And before Jesus died, we know what he said. He said, it is finished. It's paid in full. And listen, church, Jesus will be eternally worthy of our praise because Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. And we've looked at 2 Corinthians 5, 21, but we just need to one more time. For our sake, not for him, but for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus had never sinned. He became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Listen, the only way for us to be in a right relationship with God is to be standing in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and that comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. And when we come to Him in faith, trusting in Him as our Lord and our Savior, our sins are forgiven and we're declared righteous, and we stand in the righteousness of Jesus. There's a word for it. It's justification. It's a good word. It means that our sins are covered. It means that we receive His righteousness. We stand in His righteousness. It's through the death and resurrection that that's possible. It's through the death and resurrection that Jesus won the victory, the conquest over sin and death and hell. You remember those words that Jesus spoke to Martha when, she, when he goes there to check on Lazarus? In John eleven twenty five. he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he may die, yet he will live. He shall live. He's talking about eternal life. We will die, but yet we can live eternally. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked the question, do you believe this? And that's really the important question this morning for us to ask. Do you believe this? We talked about the events of the last week of Jesus' life. And we said that his death and resurrection changed everything. The question before us is, do we believe you say, what do you believe? Do, do, we, do you believe that Jesus was God? And do you believe that Jesus came to earth as a man, born of a, a virgin? And do you believe that Jesus lived a sinless life? And do you believe that he went and took our sins and died in our place on the cross? And do you believe that on the third day he arose from the grave? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and life? Would you today? In the midst of the chaos and the, the COVID-19, would you, would you turn from your sins and place your faith in Jesus Christ? The, the events of that week changed everything. But has His death and resurrection, has it changed your life? As we prepare for a, a song of commitment, uh, think about the difference that one day makes. On Saturday, everything looked bleak and barren and dead and hopeless that that was saturday but on sunday everything changed forever because jesus was alive he was risen he was victorious on sunday they get there and the stone was rolled away and the world would never be the same listen on sunday some heard the good news that jesus was alive and they believed the message 
And it changed their lives. And many of them would give their lives to share that message. That message is the gospel. That, that's what the gospel is. It's a, it's a message about what Jesus did for us in dying for our sins on the cross and his resurrection. And, and they would give their lives to, to share that good news with those who were trapped in darkness. And listen, the gospel brought transformation and it is still transforming lives. Listen, I heard it and I believed it. And I was transported from a dead, dreary, dark Saturday into a wonderful, glorious Easter Sunday experience. And I've seen others believe this message and find the deliverance of their souls. Some of you are still living in Saturday. And you have no hope. And you're dead in your trespasses and sins. You're living under the wrath of God. You don't have to stay in that condition. The Lord is able to lead you out of darkness into His light. He's able to bring you from death to life. I'm talking about eternal life. Listen, for some of you, Jesus is standing outside the tomb, outside of your tomb this morning, and He's calling your name. And He's inviting you to come to Him and be saved. Would you enjoy new life in Christ? Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your sacrifice of Your Son Jesus on the cross. For my sake, you became sin. You never sinned, but for me and for many others, you became sin. And you did that so that we could be made right with you. And we're humbled at that thought. Thank you for loving us enough to die for us. Thank you for loving us enough to become sin, even though you knew the Father hated. Thank you for that. Thank you for paying my price. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for this offer of salvation to everyone who will repent and believe. Lord, we pray you'd save some this morning. This Sunday morning, save some, we pray. And we'll praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. They called him Jesus, he came to love, heal and forgive, even and to buy my pardon, an empty grave is extra through Savior because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, and life is worth living just because he lives.
this morning and uh, listen if you have any questions about a relationship with Jesus Christ uh, we'd love to talk to you you can leave a comment or you can contact us at the church and if we can do anything to minister to you we know people are going through a hard time right now and so contact us at the church and we'd love to to try to minister to you in some way Uh, we hope you'll take some time today and celebrate the resurrection thank you praise team for leading us this morning and uh, we're aiming to to do this again at one o'clock and uh, we look forward to this worship in the Lord today Let's pray. Danny, you got anything? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for, for Easter, for the resurrection, for the empty tomb. It makes all the difference to us. Help us to go out from here and, and tell the good news. And, and Lord, we know we can't maybe go to someone's house, but, but uh, we can find other avenues to tell the good news so that people can believe in Jesus and be saved. We pray that that good news would go out all over the world today. And that many would believe and be saved. And all praise to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.